Well, good morning. Good morning. Um, hey, the notebook is getting full. And you may remember that when the notebook gets full, it's time to finish a series. Uh, so today is the next to last talk in this nuts and bolts series on a philosophy of ministry. Um, so you may look forward to that. Next week we'll conclude um, some final thoughts, and today is the train is moving in that direction. And it is an unusual sermon. If you're a visitor with us, this is, this is an unusual series. I'm trying to uh, get us all on the same page of vision and mission. And so today I'm going to begin introducing uh, what I'm going to call some ministry cultural values. Not anything I would normally preach. It would work great in a Sunday school class, but I think it's important for us to hear this as a church family. And our passage this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. And it says this, But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession, and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are an aroma that brings death. To the other, an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the Word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Let's pray that the Lord would bless His Word in our lives. Father in heaven, would you take these few minutes now as we consider what it is to be a church as we aspire to be a, a healthy church with a long reach into Greenwood and around the world, would you bless us? Would you encourage us? Would you unify us? Would you give us the ability to co-labor together in a very effective way? And we ask it together in Jesus' name. Amen. So, three simple points this morning trying to, to paint this, this picture for us. The first is, is this, um, well, what is culture? If we're going to talk about ministry, cultural values, what is culture? And so this week I found myself remembering uh, probably 6th or 7th or 8th grade social studies when we were introduced to culture. Some of you maybe have just studied this or you remember it as well. But we were told that culture was quite simply a way of life. Well, that's what Coach Robinson said it was in 1984 or 85. He said it's a way of life. And I didn't really understand that. I understand that better now. Perhaps a slightly better way to state it is this. Culture is how a particular people do life a particular way in a particular place and at a particular time in history. 
So we're exposed to culture constantly. We are a culture. We have our own culture. And there, there's a culture of cultures uh, outside of our doors. You may know that I went to Clemson University. Clemson University has its own culture. It has its own icons. As you get closer and closer to the town of Clemson, you see tiger paws popping up on the road. You're surrounded by orange. Themes of orange. Uh, even the restaurants, Bojangles, painted orange. Everything saturated with either that gorgeous color that you love or that hideous color that you can't stand. It's part of the culture. And the same thing could be said in Columbia about Garnet. That's the culture. Every college campus has its own unique culture, its icons, its images, its traditions. And people tend to love those things because they love the place. Uh, years ago, in seminary, we lived in St. Louis, Missouri. And St. Louis had its own culture. It had its Italian district and wonderful Italian food. A large Catholic presence. Uh, Ted Drew's frozen custard, which you just have to try. It's all a part of the culture. And of course, everything there revolves around red birds, red cardinals, right? Had its own culture. And Greenwood has a culture, a culture I'm still slowly being exposed to and learning. We have something I've not been to called the Festival of Flowers. Maybe someday I'll go to that and find out what that is. It's a part of our culture. We have barbecue competitions. We have community theater that is a part of the culture here that people enjoy. So there's culture everywhere. That's what culture is. But what do we mean by ministry culture? Or a culture of ministry well, the passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, what we heard in our pastoral prayer from Matthew chapter 5, and our reflection reading this morning from Psalm 34, I'm going to go through those three doorways to try to paint a picture of what I'm referring to as ministry culture. I have a few things to say, and the first is this. By ministry culture, I mean... It's the smell that we put off when people are among us. It's the wafting smell that we put off. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, our passage, Paul says, Thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. But to the one we are an aroma that brings death, and to the other an aroma that brings life. Now the imagery here, you've heard before, it's used elsewhere in Scripture. But when a ruler, when a king would win in battle... It was a part of the tradition to parade in your victory before the people. You might think of a political presidential parade after an election. Or even a parade after a national championship for a school. 
Let the players come forward and be seen. And that's part of what would happen here. The generals would be celebrated. The key leaders would be celebrated. But beyond that, there was more. The defeated foe would be paraded. And so you had the cheers for those who were the successors. And you had the jeers for those who were defeated. So it was in one parade, this sense of victory and yet defeat present with it. Uh, The smell of celebration and feasting for the victors and what was impending often death, not always, but often death for those opponents who were defeated. And so it's a metaphor that actually scholars have disagreed about who, who is Paul associating uh, with? Is it the life? Is it the death? Is it the shame? And really, it's a little bit of everything. He, he kind of twists his metaphor as he goes along. But he does say that we are an aroma that before God, because of Christ, is sweet-smelling. It's beautiful to God. But to unbelievers, we don't smell well. Because they have no tolerance for Christ and no tolerance for His church. R.C. Sproul says this, The sweetest fragrance, the most beautiful aroma that God has ever detected emanating from this planet was the aroma of the perfect sacrifice of Jesus that was offered once and for all on the cross. And so this morning, a part of a ministry culture is our smell. And we want to smell as good as we humanly can. Knowing that some will find offense to that smell. But we don't want to contribute unnecessarily to any offense. Beyond the wafting smell that ministries put off, there's also this imagery of saltiness. What was in our pastoral prayer about being salt and being light. Listen to that again. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your your Father who is in heaven. So we want to smell well. We want to be salty. We want to bear light the way that God has told us to. And we could go on and say that we want people to taste of God, of Christ, in our ministry. Psalm 34, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So all of this is culture shaping. We should see that we put off a smell, we're either salty or we're not. Either we put off light as we should or we don't. And we want people to come and see and taste and see that the Lord is good. Another way of speaking of ministry culture beyond smell and taste and saltiness, you might say it's the vibe that we put off. It's the mojo of our ministry. 
It's the DNA of who we are. These are all just ways of of trying to understand this concept of culture. But smell and taste, maybe that sums it up the best. A good smelling thing. So, we don't do it like we used to, but for years, Pastor Archie and I would go walking over at this lander track. You know what I'm talking about. And um, boy, I just have these clear memories of turning the corner and smelling the Dixie Drive-In. <laughs> that is a glorious smell when you're in the middle of a long walk. You know what I'm talking about? Onion rings? Oh, such an attractive smell. And I could never talk him into going to the Dixie. He just wanted to walk. Or maybe you've been in a, a donut shop, a baker, uh, a nice bakery. Those are smells that draw people in. I don't know if it's still true in the real estate business, but I remember hearing years ago that if you're showing your home for sale, you should bake an apple pie before people come in and look. That's probably a strategy uh, worth considering. Because smells draw us in. But smells can also repel us. Right? A bad smell, you, you can remember a bad smell for a long time. When my sister was married, she's six years older than me, so this is a long time ago. When my sister was married, my parents hosted her reception in our yard. It was a big yard party. And I remember all of us had duties and responsibilities. Some of you have lived through this yourself where everybody's got to pitch in, cut the grass, trim the hedges, just make everything look nice. Um, My dad retired from the Air Force and, and became a cattle rancher. And in God's strange providence, about two days or so, two or three days before the wedding reception, a cow died about a hundred yards from where this party was going to be. And it, before it died, before she died, she went down in this little wooded thicket and was in a hole. And there was no way to retrieve that body. And my dad had my brother and me go down and cover it with a tarp and put as much dirt on it as we could. But I will never forget my sweet sister's wedding reception. Tiki torches and white linen tablecloths and buffet food and that wafting smell of dead cow. Horrible. Horrible. I remember it to this day. You can remember smells. You can remember good smells. You can remember bad smells. A part of the culture of a healthy ministry will be that we put off a good and attractive smell. Not a repulsive one, but one that should draw people in to, they're cooking something, and I'd like to know what it is. The same could be said about good memories of people loving one another and caring for one another, or being rude and being short, being curt with one another. Those are the smells that we put off. And so when we talk about ministry culture, we are simply talking about the vibe, the mojo, the smells, the saltiness that the whole church family has. 
No matter how clear the mission may be, without a healthy and supportive culture of ministry, the mission will flounder. Healthy culture propels a successful mission. And so that's why I want to paint this picture. I want to encourage all of us. We contribute to the culture. We all make the culture. And so this morning, I'll close and I'm going to introduce four of eight what I call ministry cultural values. There's an unlimited number of values that we could have. I've chosen eight. Maybe we'll add to it in time. But but these are things that I think would help us to make sure that we smell well to one another and to the world when it walks in the door. The first is this. We want to be kingdom focused, not GPC focused. What does that mean? What I simply mean is this. There are a lot of churches. There are a lot of ministries. There are a lot of ministers that want to enlarge their footprint, run things like an empire, and make our church the biggest and best one. Versus churches that are like, hey, we're in this for the kingdom. We want God to be at work for the kingdom. And we want to put our people, our personnel, our resources, our money into the kingdom. We don't want to just have a big bank account saving money. We want to spend it on kingdom things. Good, proven, faithful kingdom things. And so I think that's a good value for us to always have before us and always remember. We're not in this trying to make our name great. We're doing kingdom things. We're committed to the kingdom. Amen? Appreciate that. Core value number two. Cultural value number two. We want to be a sweet fragrance of Christ. Not an unpleasant odor. In everything that we do. And that means we have to be very intentional. Because everything we do sets off a smell. Right? You know, everybody has an an odor. Everybody has a smell. We just don't... We're used to our own smell. Um... You meet someone from another part of the world who has a different diet and you can smell them. Well, they smell us the same way because of our diet, right? We want to be sensitive to to the fragrance that we put off and we want people to smell Jesus. We want them to see and experience Jesus and who we are. And some will be won by that smell. And listen, some will be lost by that smell. That's what the passage tells us. But we want to smell as we should. Thirdly, we want to emphasize being, not doing. And I know that's a little confusing. Similar but different is number four, is we want to renew our people, not deplete our people. Now these two things go very well together and they are distinct, um, but there are ministries that emphasize a lot of doing. Do, 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 do. Go, go, go. Be, be, be. Not be, be, be. Go, 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 go. Perform, perform, perform. You may remember we talked about being the church. And that's where I'm trying to emphasize that. There's a difference between being a busy person with a to-do list that checks things off 
and is miserable to be around versus someone who's really committed to, to being the church, to honoring the Lord in all the things that we do. And we live in a, in a culture of doing. A culture of prove yourself by your resume. And it wears people out. Ministries can wear people out. And I'd like for us to be committed to more being and less doing. A culture of being. You've heard this before. I think I've shared this with you. But Jean Fleming, in her book, Between Walden and the Whirlwind, has this marvelous quote that captures this sense that I'm talking about. Listen to this Christian woman talking about the Christian culture of doing that she has been shaped by. She says, In the 20 plus years that I've been a Christian, I've received instruction on and been challenged to read my Bible daily, pray without ceasing, do in-depth Bible study regularly, memorize Scripture, meditate day and night, fellowship with other believers, always be ready to give an answer to the questioning unbeliever, give to missions and to the poor, work as unto the Lord, use my time judiciously, give thanks in all circumstances, Serve the body using my gifts to edify others. Keep a clean house as a testimony. Practice gracious hospitality. Submit to my husband. Love and train my children. Disciple other women. Manage finances as a good steward. Involve myself in school and community activities. Develop and maintain non-Christian relationships. Stimulate my mind with careful reading. Improve my health through diet and exercise. Color coordinate my wardrobe. Improve my posture. And simplify my life by baking my own bread. Now, you, you sense her just being overwhelmed. Right? Who can keep up? Now, those are all good things, right? But that's the culture of doing. And give it a few years and you'll be burned out, discouraged, unable to keep up with the Joneses. So less emphasis on doing, more emphasis on being. Being sincere, growing in the things that God would have us be. Now, close with this. Taking a risk here. I'm going to call this the parable of Miss Olson's annual apple pie festival at Walnut Grove Presbyterian Church. Miss Olson had received an apple pie recipe from her great-great-grandmother. And Miss Olson for years had talked her church into having an annual apple pie festival. Because Miss Olson believed that everyone loves her apple pie. And everyone loves helping her make all those apple pies for the Walnut Grove Presbyterian Church Apple Pie Festival. And she says in her own mind, everybody loves my festival. But the truth is, every year when the Apple Pie Festival at Walnut Grove Presbyterian Church came around, people started to twitch and shake a little bit. Grandchildren were forced to go over to Miss Olson's and start chopping apples, and peeling apples, and cutting apples, and then making this 
meticulous lattice work out of dough for, for pies. And Miss Olson would walk out of the kitchen and, and the grandchildren would be like, oh, this is so tedious. This is so hard. We don't even like these apple pies. And then Grandma Olson would walk back in the kitchen and she'd just smile because she knew how much they loved making these apple pies. Meanwhile, at the church, people began to twitch and shake a little bit because it was the weekend of the Apple Festival. And now everything had to be exactly as Miss Olson wanted it to, and everything had to take shape and form. But year after year, it went on until one day, Miss Olson passed away. And the Apple Festival didn't happen anymore. And no one ate apple pies ever again because they didn't like them. All right, that's a parable. Um, and it's a weird one, I know. I had presbytery all day yesterday, and I just could not nail my illustrations down. But what's the point of the story? Boy, we have got to put off a smell that's attractive. It's not about the apple pies. It's about the people making memories, loving one another, knowing one another. And a culture of doing can make it about the apple pies. We, we've got to put off a great smell, a winsome smell. We've got to be salty. If we get a ministry culture, if we get a healthy ministry culture, the mission, there's a whole lot less obstacle to being effective and faithful in our mission. So that's four easy ones. Next week we have four more. And I know it's a weird sermon, but let's pray. Let me pray for us before we sing that God would work in us a healthy desire for a healthy culture. Lord, would You do that very thing in us? Would You woo us and win us to want to be salty, light-bearing people who put off the aroma of Christ as the church should? And Lord, knowing that there will be some who are repelled by that aroma of Christ, may we never buckle at the knee because we feel unliked or unwanted. May we always only bend our knee to You and honor You in all that we do. And we ask this and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.